Good morning and greetings to all my friends and peeps around the world as we gather once again on Sunday morning to delve into some truth and to look at maybe some things we never learned before or had uh, the opportunity to see in our previous spiritual life before we came into the reality of all that God is doing today. And man, I'll tell you, God is on the move all over the planet. I, there's not a week that goes by, but what I hear from people that are awakening to truth that was always there, but they just never saw it. And once you're awakened to it, once you begin to see it, man, I'll tell you what, it just opens up more. I understand what Jesus said now when he said to those that have, more will be given. The more revelation you get, it just seems to exponentially unfold. The more you see, the more that you tend to see and tend to get. I think there are two things that are really difficult for those of us that have come out of a long background of uh, religiosity that spent most of our life in church. I think there's a, uh, a couple of things that are really tough for us to grasp. One of them is, and we've talked about it in this series, Let's All Believe It. We've talked about it, and one of them is to see God as He is to see him as a father, to see him fully reflected in the life of Jesus, to see him as one that has taken humanity and claimed it as his very own as the father. What is that? We, we've read the Ephesians 4, 6, where he says, where Paul says that there is one God and father of all, who's above all, through all, and in all. It's hard for us to get that concept, that Jesus reflected the attitude of the Father, the life of the Father, the demeanor of the Father, the character of the Father. So Jesus was well able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I think that's a tough one. The other thing that's tough, and we're going to talk about it this morning, is to see ourselves and to value ourselves the way that God sees us and the way that God values us. I don't think we've even scratched the surface on what this new creation is that we are because of the resurrection. When we resurrected with Jesus, we came from death to life. We walked out of the tomb with him, and that was our born-again experience. That's what Peter said in, I think it's 2 Peter 1.3, that we were born again through the resurrection. We co-resurrected with him. When he got up, we got up with him. Everything that Jesus did, he didn't do just for us. He did as us. So I want to talk this morning about valuing ourselves and seeing ourselves the way the Father sees us and the way the Father values it. We could call that identity, gaining a right identity, and that's the, the, the fourth pillar in this grace foundation that we're beginning to build. Value was set from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, life-changing verse for me, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, "...in God breathed into man the breath of life." God breathed into man the breath of life. What, is, what does that mean? That means that God took the very essence of what he is and placed it in mankind. Every part of God, that breath, that spirit, the, the, the inner being of God, of who he really is, he took and he placed within mankind. And right there, I mean, that sets a value on us that we've not even considered or thought of most of us in days gone by. So I want to continue this morning to agree on what a grace culture looks like. We're raising the standard. We're elevating our perception. We're expanding our consciousness a little bit because I want the Digital Cathedral to be a grace community that's part of a larger grace culture that is developing around the world. So we've been talking about the foundation of what a grace community, what a grace culture looks like, and we said that grace is the very foundation. We can never get away from grace. Grace is, and this is the definition we put on it the first Sunday when we set the foundation for a grace community, we said that grace is the unconditional love of God that is extended to all, and it embraces all, and it brings all into the very life of God. So we agreed on that. And then we begin to, to erect some pillars on that foundation, things that we can put down and say, okay, look, let's believe this. This is, this is fundamental. This is basic to what a grace community, a grace culture needs to reflect. And we said the first pillar that we put down was the right concept of God. And I touched on that just a minute ago. He's a relational father. He's not a judicial deity. He's not mad. He's not upset. He's not uptight. He came in flesh form. We called him Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's, that's the right concept of the Father that is in heaven. If you see the Father any other way, if you see God any other way than how Jesus radically exposed him 
and presented him to humanity, then you're seeing him wrong. I think it's safe to say that Jesus is perfect theology. Theo meaning God, ology means study of. If you want to study God, there's only one place to look, and that's at Jesus. So then we said the character of this God, this character of this Father is love. That was our, that was our second pillar. Absolute love. Everything he does has to come out of that nature. Everything he does has to come out of that attitude and that persona of love. His judgment is based on love. His justice is based on love. Justice is actually restoration. Judgment, he's, he's not judging us in sin. He's judging the world that Scripture says he's going to judge the world in righteousness because we were already judged righteous at the resurrection. Crucified with Christ, resurrected with Christ. We died our one death. We, we went through our one judgment when we rose with him from the dead, judged righteous. And then we said the, the next pillar, the third pillar, was the pillar of inclusion. Pillar of inclusion, embracing all. That's part of our definition of grace. Unconditional love of God extended to all, whereby he embraces all. He embraces all. Inclusion says simply this, that everything that Jesus did when he said it is finished, everything that Jesus accomplished as us, us as him, through his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, he did as us and included us. All of humanity was included. Nobody was left out. Nobody left behind. Nobody's on the outside looking in. Nobody's just window shopping. Everything that he has, we have. He's the firstborn among many brothers. We're joint heirs with him. We can't exclude that. The, the new creation is so strong. We have not, I, I, I've almost come to the conclusion that people are afraid of how powerful we really are. Because when we bump up against that wall, there, there's some, some parameters that even grace people, I have found, have put on the new creation, saying, well, you're just pushing a little bit too far. I don't think you can push it too far. I don't think you can push it too far. So this morning, uh, I want to I want to get into the fourth pillar, which is identity, and this will end our study. Next week, we're we're going to get back into the things that we were working on before, and at the end of the teaching today, I will I'll give you the title of what we're going to do next week because it really launches off uh, these pillars that we're talking about. So we're going to kind of bring it home next week, but I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But I want us to understand that Romans chapter 5, verse 18 really sums up these pillars and the authority that we have to live out the Christ as us life. Romans chapter 5 and verse 18 says this, Therefore, as by one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Now, we're going to talk about identity this morning, talking about how we see ourselves. Seeing ourselves like God sees us, valuing ourselves like God values us. That's, that's a difficult jump for many of us that have come out of years and perhaps a lifetime, decades, in religion. Judgment came to all men because of one man's offense, resulting in condemnation. Even so, or in the same way, in the same way, by one man's righteous act, the free gift, I love this, the free gift came to all men, not just a few, not just the select, not just those that have received it, not just those that claim it, it has already come to all men. It's been direct deposited into their life. They got the gift. Now, when you believe and you receive, you start to experience it. That's the subjective reality of the objective fact that it already is yours. You don't have to pray and ask God to give it to you. It has already been given. And that resulted in justification of life. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about pillar number four, which is identity. And what this pillar is about, it's about bringing the truth and revelation to you of who you really are. It's about then us being able to extend to humanity a authentic, true identity of who they truly are. So identity is who you perceive yourself to be. I think that's probably an easy way to put it. It's how you see you. So this week, I, just want, I want to look at some nuts and bolts. I just want to look at some very basics on identity. Identity is what, is what you actually are. Now, you might know who you actually are. I find most people don't know who they actually are. Most people are actually the products of something that they're not. And I'll, I'll, I'll want to explain that and expand on that in just a minute. But just, just let me say this. Let me preface what I want to get into this morning by saying this. 
Just because of the church or just because other people have seen you in one light or your parents have said something about you and has put that, has placed a worth or a, a judgment on you or maybe the church has excluded you. You know, some of you have been divorced. You go to a church and they tell you, well, you, you know, we'll take your tithe, but you can never be a leader. You cannot be a deacon. You've been divorced. So automatically they've put an identity on you that has, that has um, limited uh, who you can be. God never put that kind of limitation on you. The reality is that judgment and exclusion, listen to me carefully. The absolute truth is that anybody's limitation, judgment, or exclusion that they've placed on you, whether it was parents, whether it was a teacher, people down at the church, your pastor, whoever it was, does not diminish the value that God has placed on you. And I'm going to take this whole morning and unwind that for you. Jesus came to show us our value. Jesus came to show the value that God has placed in us. Now, this is just a glimpse of it, but just think about that. This is how much God values you. John 3.16 is the value of mankind. God so loved the world, each individual that makes up that world, that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus came and he said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unveil you to you. I'm going to show you by my life, by, my, by, by me being the firstborn among many brothers, by me embracing you and pulling you into being a joint heir, I'm going to actually show you who you are. Now, if you can handle that, he, he unveils it in a powerful way. Now, this is an important pillar because right identity for a grace culture is an absolute must. We got to know our value because of the ministry that we have. We have a ministry of reconciliation. That means that we connect people back to the Father. The Father's always connected. We need to connect people back, and they're not connected because they don't know who they are. They have a, a wrong perception of themselves. So here's the thing. Until we know who we are, we can't help other people discover who they are. You're going to deal with a lot of religious people if you haven't already. People are coming out of the church in droves. Your friends are going to be coming out. Some of them have rejected you. Some of them have rebuffed you. That's going to be, that, that, as time goes along, that's going to change. You're going to deal with a lot of religious people that have a wrong perception, have a wrong identity, that don't know who they are because the church has taught us we're, we're nothing. The church has taught us that our value is zero. Then after they taught us our value was zero, they knocked the rim off the zero. We learned our identity in church was this. It was worthless. We were a sinner. We were the, a child of the devil. That was your identity. We had a fallen edemic nature. We were separated from God. We were a wretch. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. Here's your identity. A wretch like me. You're, you are a saved wretch. <laughs> in essence, that's what, that's what we were taught. We, we were taught we were headed for hell. That was our identity, headed for hell. We're unworthy, we're lost, we're undone. The church taught us that essentially you have no value. And you know what that does? That drives people away from the Father. That does not attract anybody to the gospel to tell them that they're worthless or undone, uh, they're a sinner, they're headed for eternal conscious torment unless they change their ways. The, 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 the question is, you know, or the reaction is from people, they don't believe in that God. It's offensive. I'm an atheist to the God that created an identity in me through all of my religious training, my education, that I find out is absolutely false and wrong. I don't believe in a God who makes people worthless. That's, you cannot read the book. If you read it with an unslanted, unbiased view and look at Jesus who is, came to show us who we are, you can't see a, a bad identity in there. There's nothing about separated from God. There's nothing about being wretch headed for hell. All those unworthiness, all the unrighteous, all of the junk they placed on us. Then we tried to spend a lifetime to get rid of it, to try to make ourselves worthy that we could have a, a right identity. When that, when that, here's, here's what happened. When that false identity, when that shortcoming was placed on you, when that burden was placed on you, it put a veil over your eyes and you could never see who you really were. 
You can never see who you really were. I'm talking to some of you this morning that still struggle with that because you, you have based your identity on what you do. And the identity that God places on us has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to, to be about who we be. Not who you do, but who you be. Jesus came to show us who we be. So the church stood at a place telling us how worthless we were, how undone we were, and without value. And then we were frustrated because nobody was drawn to that message. That's why people are, are emptying out of church today in droves, is because there's, there's nothing there that is appealing. There's nothing there that resonates with their spirit. Evangelism. Evangelism is not good news. In most churches, I, I spent years you know, preaching the gospel of what I thought was the gospel, trying to get people to make a decision. It wasn't good news. It was always a threat that you better make the decision or you're in a heap of trouble, right? So the ministry of reconciliation that you have is where we come and we reconnect humanity to the Father by revealing the Christ that is in them, by showing them the identity that they have. But let me just say it again. You cannot do that until you are absolutely convinced of your value, the value that the Father places on you, how he sees you. Your identity is your value. So if you've been beat up, you've been... Um, put down, you've been abused, you're, you're hurt, you're wounded, and you've had, you're having trouble recovering out of that, I hope you listen closely this morning because he places a value on you that is so great that he was willing to come in flesh form himself. Think about this. He was willing to come in flesh form himself and reveal and show to you. He was willing to die for you to show you the value that he places on you. How much love? Let me ask you a real simple question, just earthly terms. How much love and value would something or someone have to have for you to sacrifice one of your children to redeem it and to show them who they are? You'd have to value something awfully high. You'd have to have a lot of value on something to pay that kind of price. There's a breakthrough of truth today that's happening on the planet, and it's happening so fast, so rapid, so strong, it cannot be held back, it cannot be contained, and it's about who we have always been. That mystery is being solved. Eyes are opening up. When you live in a false identity, you believe what others have said about you, what the church said about you. Here's the tragic part. When you embrace that, when you suck that into yourself, here's what happens. This is, some of you can relate to this. When you embrace what people have said about you, what the, the teacher said or your parents, whatever, negativity, and you have, you have a veil over your eyes to who God says you are, your lifestyle, listen, your lifestyle will morph into that identity. People live today beat up. People live today feeling shunned, worthless. Why? Because that's the identity that's been placed on them and now their life has taken on that identity, and that's how they appear. That's how they appear to other people. That's the persona they have. And that's how, more tragically, they appear to themselves. You're not the invention of your parents. You're not the invention of the church. That's not going back far enough. In fact, you, your roots are not in Adam. Your identity is not in Adam. That's not going back far enough. Do you know what God told Jeremiah? He said, Jeremiah, chapter chapter 1, verse 5, verse 6, right in there. He said, he said, Jerry, I'm going to tell you something. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And he places value on Jerry. He says, Jerry, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah struggled with that. <clears throat> and he came with a, with a false identity, and God wouldn't hear of it. And you know what? Jeremiah fulfilled the plan that God had for his life, but it hinged on him changing the perception that he had of himself. Good news this morning. Every human being is equally valued. Every, equal, every human being is equally represented in Christ. Every one of us. Let me say it again. Jesus is not an example to us. I taught that for years. That's what I thought. That's what I was taught. That's what they, they taught me over to Pastor Factory. 
that Jesus was an example for us. We, we, he's a pattern son. We need to try to get our lives through our diligence, through our discipline, through not sinning, through living a holy life. We need to take our life, try to fit the pattern of Jesus. We need, we need to come to where he's our example. We need to try, try as best as we can to be the example. That's, that's, that's wrong. That's not our identity. Jesus is not an example to us. Listen, Jesus is an example of us. Let me say that again. Jesus is not an example to us. He's an example of us. If you want to know what the Father sees in you, if you want to know the value that the Father places on you, then you need to look at Jesus. The Father values you. The Father looks at you in the same light, with the same love, the same devotion, the same value as he looked and saw Jesus, his only son. Scripture says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That's identity. That's who you are. You're as he is in this present world. So when, when, the, when, the, when the duckling, remember that ugly duckling? He had a bad image. Ugly duckling thought he was an ugly duckling. He went down to the pond and he looked at his image in the pond. And you know what he discovered? He wasn't an ugly duckling. He was actually a swan. His whole identity changed. Now, there is, a, there is a pond, there is a reflection pool that you can look at and find out who you really are. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says this. It says, we all with an open face. Right? So we, we've taken that veil, we're taking that veil of false identity off. We all with an open face, no veil, no cover. We're looking, we all with an open face are beholding as in a mirror. That's, that's what the pond was. It was a mirror. Beholding as in a mirror, the image of Christ. And that 18th verse says that as we look at that image of Christ, we're finding out who we are. And the verse says that we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. That 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 is all about identity. It's all about changing the perception. It's all about seeing what you never saw before. You are not the ugly duckling. You are the swan. And most of us have seen ourselves because we've been programmed, we've been, we've been conditioned, we've been groomed to think that we're ugly ducklings, to think we're worthless, we're a wretch, and that's not the perception the Father has of us in any way, shape, or form. Identity awakens us to the image and the likeness of the Father that we've always had. It awakens us to the breath, the essence of himself that he placed within us. Man, the mission of Jesus, if nothing else, was a rescue mission. A rescue mission of recovering the identity that we have. The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit refused, absolutely refused to allow us to remain separated in our minds from them because of a wrong, because of a, a, a faulty self-perception. We were lost, man, in, in our minds. The futility of our minds. It all had to do with perception. Everything in life revolves around identity. If, if when you were young growing up and you were told you, you will never make the varsity, you will never make the team, you know what? You didn't even try. You never even went to the tryouts. You never even went, went to make an effort. If the, teacher, if the teacher told you, you know what? You're probably never going to rise above a minimum wage job in your life. There's something wrong with you. You're special. <laughs> special today means you got a problem. You never, you probably maybe never even tried to go to college or to do something with your life. Never went to a trade school. You could have been a master electrician. You could have made a six-figure income as a welder. But you didn't do it because you had a, a wrong perception, had a wrong identity. There's so much in life that we can get to. But listen to me, it, it revolves around seeing ourselves right. And if there's anything that we can do as a parent to help our children, anything we can do in, as, as pastors or ministers or people that have a home group or a, a church that meets in your house or you go to a building or whatever. It's to help people see themselves as the Father sees them and to get their identity straightened out. We, we were lost and we, we couldn't find our way home because of this veil that was over us. The biggest lie is we were born lost. The biggest lie we've ever encountered is that we were born separated from God. We were never born lost. We were never born separated. That's the fallacy of the theology of the Western church, whether it's Calvinism or Arminianism. 
they both start with a place of lost, of separation. And that's not where the gospel starts. That's not where this foundation in the grace community starts. The foundation of a grace community starts before Adam, before the cross, before Adam. It starts before time when he placed us in Christ Jesus. He valued us. He said, I'm going to make sure that these people don't have an unjust value. I'm going to place them in Christ. I'm going to let them know what I think of them the whole time. So he came to tell all of us. He came to tell all of us and show us, grab us by the hand and lead us back to that place of rest and confidence and assurance to know who we actually are. I'll tell you what, this is a strong pillar. A grace community of, of, of all the pillars, and each week when I hit these pillars, I think, you know what, this is the most important. I thought when getting a right perception of the Father is, is an important pillar, and it absolutely is. If it all starts there. If you don't see God right, you're, you're, you can't move on. If you seem as a, as a cruel taskmaster that beats the stuffing out of his children when they aren't doing what he desires them to do, then that's the wrong perception. You can't go any farther than that. Thinking that God's motivated by something other than love is important. Every one of those pillars we hit. Last week I talked, you know, we talked about inclusion for a couple of weeks. And I think that that has got to be an unmistakable mark of a grace community. But if we don't have a right identity, if we see ourselves as worthless, if we see ourselves as undone, separated from the Father, just a wretch, you know, it's just by God's goodness that he ever would look at us. You know, most of us grew up with the idea that God wouldn't even look at sin. He had to separate himself from sin. So when we sinned, we thought God was separated from us. That's identity. We perceive that about ourselves. God never told us about that. God said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. Paul said there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We didn't read those verses. We didn't see it. What we saw was what was hammered into us that we were separate, that our identity was messed up, jacked up. We would... Just by his goodness, we would stand before him one day and he would say, well, I guess you made it in by the skin of your teeth. And we'd go, Whew. glad he said that. We never knew that we were accepted in the beloved since before time. We never had that identity. The fact is this, what we could not do for ourselves, he did for us. He came and deposited the identity that you live out today. If you see this, if you're willing to embrace it, you've seen it and you live it out. Look at, look at Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. This has to do with identity. Last verse of the chapter, Romans chapter 4. It says that he has delivered us, he, he was delivered up because of our offenses. He was delivered up because of our offenses. All right, so he's, he's erasing that identity that we are an offender of God. He's erasing that right out of our life. And he was raised for our justification. So we're free from offense and we're fully justified. Now you couldn't do that on your own. You couldn't, you couldn't handle the offenses on your own. We were, Paul said that we were alienated in our minds because of our actions. Our identity was tied to what we do. And the church has reinforced that. This, that's a tragic part of the church. They have reinforced that our identity is based on what we do. It's not based on what you do. It's based on he was raised for our justification. We are justified. That's who we be. We are justified. We're righteous. We're sons and daughters of God. We're in a perfect position. He sees us without fault, without blame, in love. That's what uh, Ephesians 1.4 tells us. That creates the identity that we should have. And yet that's a hard step for us to make. It's been deeply ingrained within us. So I'm hoping this morning as we hit this pillar of identity, and then we're going to go on next week, and we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to dive into some things starting next week that's going to, once again, blow our minds. It's going to rock our world. It's going to mess with us. It's going to jack with us. But you, so I want you to make sure you get these pillars down because I want you to see who you are. You, you have been, you are without offense. And you're fully justified. That's, those are two things we couldn't do for ourselves. You couldn't do either one of those in verse 25. So he pulled, he pulled you into himself. Can you visualize that? He pulled you into himself and said, look, we're going to do this together. I'm going to give you what you need 
to be given so that we can accomplish this together. So we were crucified with Christ. And we read last week uh, three, four verses about resurrection. It said that if we were buried in the likeness of his death, we also be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And Peter said that we were born again through the resurrection. So we couldn't, we couldn't resurrect ourselves, but we were in him when he resurrected. That's the gospel. Man, that's good news. See, that's what people are not hearing. They're not hearing that. The world is looking for that. The world is, is hungry. There's a lot of spiritual itching going on in the world. And the church has not been scratching where the world has been itching. You can take the scratch to the itch by letting man know that he's been reconciled and that his identity is right. You can let him know who he is because of the Father's view of him, getting a right perception of the Father, the Father's character of love, that they're included. All these pillars we're talking about set people free. Absolutely set people free. And that's the message that we need to carry. Now look what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, or because we were delivered up or because he was delivered up for our offenses and raised for our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, whose faith was it? Being justified by faith. Whose faith? He's the one that had the faith to deliver us up because of our offenses and to raise us uh, because of our justification. It was his faith working, not our faith. There are several places in the New Testament, I don't have time to get into it this morning, that talks about uh, our faith in Christ when it really should be the faith of Christ. Wrong preposition. Wrong preposition. It's the faith of Christ that does the work. It's not my faith. My faith, my faith is only based on his faith. I have faith in him. I have faith in his faith. I don't have faith in my faith. I'm faithless in my faith. But because I'm in him, and he's in me, and we walk as one together, his life is my life, I can have faith. Therefore, having been justified by his faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's your value right there. Part of, part of your identity is that you have peace with God. You're not, you're not uh, distraught. You're not upset. You're not uptight. You're not jacked up. You're not messed up. You're, you're not trying to get peace with God. You are in the peace of God today. If you just rest and settle down a little bit, you could experience it. See, the, the, the problem is, the problem is this. And there's a verse, I don't read too much from the Old Testament, but there's a verse from Deuteronomy I wrote down this week because I think it explains exactly what's happened. Deuteronomy chapter, two verse, uh, chapter 32 verse 18 says this, Of the rock who begat us, we are unmindful of the rock who gave us birth. We are unmindful. In other words, we're chips off the old block. That's exactly what he's saying there. Of the rock who begot us, we're unmindful. We're chips off the old block. And the rest of the verse says, and we have forgotten the God who fathered us. The God who fathered us took of himself and placed in us. Us recognizing that, creates the identity. Are you with me? Are you tracking? Have I, have I lost you? Your identity is based on what the Father, the value that the Father has placed in you. Now, am I saying this morning that even the most corrupt evil person has a value that is fully intact and able to respond to the unveiling of the divine nature within them? Absolutely. Are you, are you, here's the one I'm always hit with. Are you telling me that Hitler, that Hitler, as corrupt and evil as he was, has value from God that is intact and he has the ability to see the unveiling of who he really is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know Hitler, Jeffrey Dahmer, all those people arrested in your city, those bad guys, know the problem? They don't know who they are. If you ever have a chance to minister at a jail or a prison, do it. I, I have done it many times. And you know what, you know what I've discovered in, in guys that are in the county jail? I used to go down with guys and, and, and preach down at the county jail. You know what I found out? They actually believe they're no good. They believe they're a drug addict. They believe they're an alcoholic, always be an alcoholic. And, Take away the drugs and the alcohol, and most of them wouldn't be in there. They took the drugs and they took the alcohol to mask an identity that they thought was wrong. 
Teachers told them, you never mount anything. They got, they got a job and, and, and the guy that owned the business or the, the foreman on the job says, you're, you're doing a terrible job. You know why they're doing a terrible job? Because they were told all their life they would do a bad job. They wouldn't amount to anything. They're, they're messed up. And I found out that when you begin to talk to the guys at the jail, I go down there and teach grace, they go crazy. Tell them, look, God has extended unconditional love to you. He has embraced you and he's brought you into his very life. That's who you are, guys. They, couldn't, they could not believe it. Nobody ever told them that. Nobody ever explained that to them. They went, they went crazy. I had a chaplain in my church, full-time chaplain in the Texas Department of Corrections. He started teaching grace, unconditional love, mercy that endures forever, started really honing in on right identity, Revival broke out in that unit. Revival broke out in that unit. Everybody didn't pray the prayer. They didn't have to. Their lives were being changed by a divine influence that produced an effortless change as that chaplain taught them who they were and they began to rest in the Father. Their lives took on a dynamic that it never took on before. Even the most corrupt evil life has value that is fully intact and able to respond to the unveiling of the divine nature within. I have seen it happen time and time again. Something, look, something happened to the whole of humanity when Jesus died and rose again. Something happened to the whole of humanity. All of the corrupt nature, all of the, all of the things that had been built into man through the old covenant, through the law, was done away with. We're not under law. Um, Hebrews 10, 13, I think, and I'm just recalling these out of, out of memory, says that Christ is the end of the law to all that believe. All that believe what? All that believe he's the end of the law. When you extract the law out, it stops you from jumping through the hoops. It stops you from trying to meet a certain criteria to be ex accepted. Your whole life takes on a different demeanor. There's some, there was a shift all of humanity shifted when Jesus came out of the grave. All the sins of mankind were swept away. Remember what John the Baptist said? Saw Jesus going one day and he points at Jesus and he says, hey guys, right there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the entire world. Now, did he do it or did he not do it? If he did it, then there's no need for you to have a sin consciousness. You need to have a righteous consciousness. Jesus came to give you a righteous consciousness which creates an identity that is no longer sinful. It creates an identity that justified, righteous, sonship. It creates all of that. And the result of that in Acts chapter 10 verse 28, this is, I'll tell you what, if we could do this one verse at the digital cathedral, if a grace community, if a grace culture could just, my nose is itching, if a grace culture could just embrace this one verse and put this into practice, I'm telling you what, look me right in the eye, I'm telling you what, we could change the world. We could change the world. Listen to this one verse, Acts chapter 10 and verse 28. And he said to them, this is when Peter was on the rooftop praying, uh, uh, a blanket came down, had all kind of food on it. God said, T Peter, take and eat. Peter said, I can't eat that stuff. I'm a good Jewish boy. I can't eat pork. I can't eat those unclean animals. God was giving him a lesson. He, he brings it to light here in verse 28. Listen to this very closely. And he said to them, you know how it is unlawful for a man who is a Jew to keep company with or to go to another nation? Now watch, watch. This, this, is gonna, this can change the world. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, that's the identity that we've had. Peter had, Peter had an understanding that those Gentiles, this is after the resurrection. This is when, when Jesus was commissioned to go. He still had this perception that the Gentiles were unclean. And he saw them. He put that identity on them until he got this revelation. He said, it's revealed to me that I should not call any man common or unclean. In other words, we need to release people from that faulty identity. So if you're seeing yourself as common, unclean, you need to release yourself from that. 
And as you release yourself from that, you're going to be able to release other people from it as well. Let me say it again. Our identity is not based on what we do. Hitler's identity was not based on what he did. Jeffrey Dahmer was not based on what he did. The drug dealer in your city, their identity is not based on what they do. That is not their value. Their value is in who they be. Jesus came to restore right identity. Now, Hitler may have not gotten it on this side of the grave, but I'll tell you what, he will get it on the other side of the grave. Because grace does not stop with the dropping of your physical man. You are an eternal spirit. You understand that? You're never going to die. You're going to step from the kitchen into the living room. When your body when your body's no longer fit to, to house your spirit, you're going to step from the kitchen into the dining room. But you're not going to change. In fact, your level of consciousness is going to accelerate. You're going to be more perceptive than you are with a, with a, with a body. This thing hinders us. This thing lies to us. These five senses feed data to our mind that lies to us, cheats us, tells us wrong stories about ourselves. It's all, the, 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 the wrong identity has been a product of our, our intellect, product of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Your spirit will grasp what I'm saying, but your mind will fight it. Your identity is not in what you do, it's who you be. And people may not get it now, they're gonna get it because the unconditional love of God, grace, will be extended to all, and it won't end at death. Every knee will bow, every tongue will con confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. How long will that take? I don't know. There may be people that resist it and fight it. You know what God will do? He'll take the dial of love in Revelation and just keep turning it higher and higher until 500, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000. I don't know how long it'll take till every knee will bow, Every tongue will confess, every, tongue will come, every person will come into the realization of who they are, who they actually are, who they've always been, been blind to it, a veil was put in front of them because of what they were told, what they perceived, what they embraced, but that veil is coming off. I'm preaching pretty good this morning, in case you hadn't noticed. See, it's in Christ. It's in Christ. Everything is because of we're in Christ. Everything we have is because we're in Christ. He's the full measure. Of, of what God has for you that belongs to you. He's the full measure of it. Colossians 2.9, let me quote that for you. Colossians 2.9 says that in Jesus dwelt the fullness. Check, check this out. In Jesus, in that bodily form, in, in the man Jesus, dwelt the fullness of the Godhead in that bodily form. He contained the fullness of the Godhead. Then verse 10, this is your value. Then verse 10 says, and you're complete in him. Do you think that's not a pretty high value? In Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and then you are complete in him. He's taken what he has and has put it into you. When he prayed the prayer in John 17, he said, Father, send him into the world as you sent me. He didn't send Jesus into the world ill-equipped, undervalued, and not armed to be able to finish the task. So when Jesus said, send them the way you sent me, he's saying, send them fully equipped. Let them know how much you love them. Send them and, and accomplish in them exactly what you accomplished in me. And Jesus then even puts greater value. He said, the works that I do, guys, you're going to do. Here's the value and greater works than I do will you do also. And we are complete in him. I know you've been taught a faulty identity. I know they've messed with you. I know that you thought you were worthless and undone. You started, and the problem was, they started you from a point of being lost rather than being found. Did you ever consider, back when they told you you were lost, they didn't tell you that in order for something to be lost, listen, in order for something to be lost, it had to first be owned. It had to first be owned. They didn't tell you that. Anything lost has a true owner. It has not. It, the, the, only, the only sense of lost is in the thing that's lost. And God says in, what is it? Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. I should look all these up while I'm with you, but I'll just, I'm trying to save a little time. Psalm 24, 1 says in effect, Keith Lee paraphrase, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all who dwell therein. He's the owner. 
the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. You belong to him. You, you might have a sense of being lost. That's why Jesus left the 99 to go get the one. The one had a sense of being lost. So he went out and he searched till he found it and brought it back to where it needed to be. And that's what I'm doing here this morning at the Digital Cathedral. Some of you may have a sense of feeling lost. Some of you that are new, haven't heard all the teachings we've done over the last several years. You're feeling lost, undone, worthless, uh, unrighteous. You're beat up, you're hurt, you're wounded. I'm telling you this morning, you have value that you've never been lost. You've only had a sense of it. The good news is this, before you were ever lost in Adam, you were found in Christ. The good news is before there was ever a problem, God provided a solution. The good news is before we ever got snake bit, God provided the antivenom. Do you ever notice when, 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 um, when Jesus tells that series of three parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, do you ever notice that the lost coin never lost value? Lost coin never lost value, nor did it ever change ownership. The owner searched for the lost coin till he found it. Might have had a little dust on it, might have had a little corrosion on it, but it didn't lose value. It didn't lose any value. The discovery of the wealth of your identity, your original design, redeemed in Christ. I'll tell you what, this is life transforming. I'm giving you a life transforming truth this morning. This is a teaching you need to expose your friends to. If they can get their identity straight, then the rest of the gospel begins to become apparent. Once we see ourselves right, once we see ourselves like God sees us, and we place on us the value that he places, the whole ballgame changes. It's, it's the discovering of the gold in the wasteland. In, in, um, you know, you, if you bought a field, it's just an old field, just a piece of ground, you paid a price for it. But if you found a treasure chest that had a thousand pounds of gold in it, that field, that one acre field that maybe you spent $20,000 for, if it had a thousand pounds of gold at $2,000 an ounce or whatever gold selling for it, now it's, it's less than that. If it had a thousand pound of gold in, in, a, in a treasure chest, all of a sudden that, that field has greater value because of the gold that you find in the field. Here in Texas, people, people have pasture land. It's worth something, it's worth good money. But when they discover an oil well on that land, all of a sudden that land has more value. What gives you value is what Paul discovered in Galatians chapter one, verse 15 and 16. Paul said this, he said, when it pleased the father who separated me from my mother's womb, to reveal the Christ that was in me, to reveal the gold that was in this wasteland, this thing that really had no value of its own. But when the Christ was discovered within me, all of a sudden I took on a different identity. Paul discovered gold in his wasteland and it totally changed him. Where did it change Paul? In his mind, it changed his perception. He saw himself differently. Once, once grace became his identity and he saw everything that he had by grace, he could, and, and the Christ that was within, he couldn't keep it to himself. He ran to every church, he established church, told everybody, brought the Gentiles into this, began to tell them about what he had discovered. So much so, that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna start unwinding this, I'm gonna start bringing the train into the station. So much so that in, in the, 1 Corinthians, or in Colossians chapter 1, I think, yeah, it's Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. I want to read this for you. I'm not going to quote it because I don't, I don't want to get it wrong. This is, this is good. Colossians chapter 1. Here's what Paul, Paul could not keep this message to himself. It so changed him, radically changed him. He went from Paul, Saul the persecutor, to Paul the carrier of the gospel. And what changed? His identity. His perception, he discovered the Christ within, he discovered the golden wasteland, the, 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 the oil well in the field. And he says to the Gentiles, he goes to the Gentiles, and he says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 26, he said, there's been a mystery. We haven't seen it before. 
a, a mystery. It's it's mysterion. It's it's something that has not been revealed or disclosed. He said the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, still hidden from the church. They don't teach this, but has not been revealed to his saints. He says to them, to them saints, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you Gentiles, Christ in you who thought you were worthless, Christ in you who have a wrong identity, Christ in you who think that you're unrighteous, you're undone, you have an endemic, depraved nature. That's not who you are. They told you that's who you are because of that's what you were doing. But when you find out who you be, all of a sudden the doing takes on a different demeanor. We've tried to get people to do different. They're not going to do different. But when they find out who they be, they will do. <laughs> that's the power of identity. So that's a powerful message. The most significant and profound virtue you have is not your intellect. It's not your skill. It's not your eloquence. It's not your worldly achievements. Your greatest virtue is your inbred ability to comprehend and reflect the image and the likeness that God has indelible. You are the God kind of design. You sure are. That's what Jesus came to redeem and to reveal to you. You are of the God kind of design. So now that we're in, ending this, I want to tell you something. Next week, next week we're going to pick it up, and I want to talk to you about encountering your divinity. All right. If you've got the if you've got the base, the foundation, and all the pillars, you're ready to hear this. I want to talk to you about encountering your divinity next Sunday morning. You don't want to miss it. You absolutely do not want to miss it. It's going to rock your world. See you, see you Wednesday night. I'm done this morning. I think the train's in the station. I've said everything I want to say. Listen to this again. There's a lot of truth, a lot of power in this. Listen to it again and just integrate it into your life as you're able to. Fair enough? Crockpot it. Listen to it. Let, it. let it stew. Let it simmer until it becomes you. When the Word becomes flesh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be released all over our culture. Good days are ahead. I'm excited. I'm, I'm just pumped with life. And so are you. See you Wednesday night at the Secret Place next Sunday back at the Digital Cathedral. Same time, same place. And we're going to talk about encountering your divinity. See you then.